This is the XC's top five. Our top five stories for the week. For the middle of November, we're recording this on Thursday, November 14th. My name is Michael Doyle, and I am joined, as always, by Alex Sear. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you? Your voice is all recovered after doing an on-air commentary thing for however many hours at the Canadian University Cross-Country Championships. Yeah, I took a page from the book of Andrew Cruikshank and just sipped on some tea all morning, and I'm feeling great. Excellent. It works wonders. (laughs) And Andrew Cruikshank. Andrew. Welcome back. How are we doing? Good, good. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. All right. So we've got five stories cooked up for you, including an all-time great. He disappeared a couple years ago, and he explains in a pretty heartfelt, uh, revealing piece where he has been and his plans for a comeback. The Mary Kane story, more revelations, an incredible piece in Sports Illustrated has come out uh, that spoke to several athletes and former coaches at the Nike Oregon Project. We'll talk about that as well. And finally, uh, equity in cross country, a story that Alex actually broke over the weekend. We'll talk about why that's in the grander scheme of things, in the bigger picture, why that's an important story just in general, regardless if you're Canadian or a fan of university sports or not, why equity in sport is so paramount. Uh, but first, our first topic of the day. Every year, the IAAF, the governing body of the sport, it does a athlete of the year and they list five finalists. We have the five finalists for both the women and the men. So let's just chat about who these finalists are. Andrew, who are the top five women uh, for Athlete of the Year in athletics? Yeah, we've got a pretty competitive uh, field that's been released. Just reading the list, it's uh, Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, the uh, the sprinter from Jamaica, who's won, she won the 100-meter and 4x100-meter titles at uh, Worlds this year um, in world-leading times. you got Safan Hassan, who's a, uh, a Dutch runner. She uh won the 1500 and 10,000 meters at the world's which which is incredible not to mention breaking the world mile record um in Monaco this year at 412 um 412 yikes then there's uh Bridget Koskai from Kenya who um obviously broke the the seemingly untouchable marathon record in Chicago uh running 214 recently uh we got delilah muhammad from the u.s who broke the world record in the 400 meter hurdles at the world championships winning in 52 seconds and then there's yulimar rojas from uh venezuela who uh won the triple jump title at worlds this year yeah, as she's well. always really dominant at the triple jump yeah so alex this is a this is actually a fairly close one. Um, who's who's your pick? Who do you think is the is the winner? Who's the female uh, athletics athlete of the year from your point of view? Okay, well you're gonna have to weather my my distance runner bias here, but I think two runners stand out or two athletes stand out, and they both do distance. I think it's gonna be between Hassan and Bridget Koskai. Now, if you have to pick one performance of the year, I think Cost Guys Marathon has been the most impressive. 214 is obviously unheard of. But if you're looking at just the consistency and performance across disciplines, Hassan has been amazing. Like she wins the 15 and the 10,000. I'm not sure about this. I don't think it's ever been done before. If so, I don't know who would have done something like that. Her mile time of 412 is very impressive. I think it has to be between the two. A bit of recency bias here. I think Cost Guy is the one that comes to mind most. But if we think of Hassan on the track this summer, I, I don't think that's been replicated. So if I have to pick one, I'm going to go for Hassan. 
Andrew, what's your take on this? Is My point of view is I didn't think that Paula Radcliffe's world record in the marathon would ever be broken. I always thought that that was an even more impressive number than even like the sub two hour marathon. So the fact that Koskai ran well under 215 to me is the standout performance. And maybe even, here's a hot take, maybe even a better performance than a sub two hour performance in the men's side we'll talk about that in a second what's your thoughts on that Ooh, yeah those are uh that's a big call there um i i kind of lean a little bit more towards hassan as well i remember watching that that 1500 meter and i'm pretty sure at one point she turned around and asked the other girls to to catch up like wanted to make a race out of it um she just looks so dominant hey Again, I mean, there's obviously she she has been associated with the the Nike Oregon. I was going to say, who was her coach in yeah. Doha that was not allowed to talk to her halfway through the the meet? Which obviously mirrors the the situation a little bit. Um, but I, I would lean more towards her, I think. But man, Koska's performance in Chicago was impressive. Okay, so that's going to be a closely contested race. Let's quickly move on to the men. Uh, Alex, who are our top five male candidates? The finalists. All right, so we have five men. Uh, Joshua Cheptegei of Uganda, he won the World Cross Country title in Eris this year. He won the 10,000-meter title in a world-leading time of 26.48, so quick. Uh, Sam Kendricks, who won the World Pole Vault title, uh, cleared a world-leading 6.06 to win the U.S. title. That's pretty monstrous. Um, and then, okay, Elliot Kipchoge won the London Marathon, a course record of 202.37. Doesn't need much of an introduction. Ran 159 in Vienna at the 159 challenge noah lyles uh won the 200 meters and four by 100 meter title this year young sprinter uh, ran a world leading 1950 in lausanne this year moved to fourth on the world all-time list won the diamond league titles of 100 and 200 and finally karsten warholm from norway people love ah! watching him the screen what did you call him michael the he's, screamer he's, he's the scream because of the, the the famous painting and when he when he won uh yeah, yeah. when he won the medal he had his hands in the air and he kind of looked exactly like that painting and it was he became a meme he so, became a meme the scream the, the, scream the, the meme. benchmark of athletics can you become a meme that people share outside of the sport oh, yeah. tough to do <laughs> shalane flanagan and karsten war warholm yeah, uh, but what he did this year, he won the world 400 meter hurdles title and clocked a world leading 46, 92, second fastest time in history. So we have five great contenders here. This is total bullshit because we all know who the guy is. No, we don't. Yes, we do. No, we do not. We do not. <laughs> Come on. It's Elliot Kipchoge. Like, please, Andrew, Andrew, agree with me for the love of God. Alex is losing his mind here if he's arguing it's not Kipchoge. I mean, yeah, you, you can't. Like, like, what Kipchoge has done this year is unbelievable. You, like, going sub two hours in the marathon, it was most people thought it would never happen. Um, at the same time, as we were discussing earlier, it brings into question, though, it wasn't done by the IAAF, and how does this play out when it comes down to them deciding? Oh, bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, just remember who's administering these awards. The IAAF. World Athletics. Let's look at Josh Cheptegei here. He won a World Cross Country title. He won a World 10,000 meter title. He was the leader in points at Diamond League 5,000. He's won more on the sanctioned scale. The only thing Kipchoge has done 
that was legit and regulated was winning the London Marathon. Oh, you know, in just, 202, a little, just a little 202 <laughs> in a world marathon major in the spring. Whatever. It's no bikini. One of the, it's true. <laughs> one of the fastest times of all time. Mr. Consistency, unbeatable, the, le- the living legend performing at the highest level we've ever seen consistently right now in front of our eyes. And then he goes and does this little old thing where just, he runs a sub two hour marathon and whatever you want to say about it. The sub two hour marathon is arguably the most impressive feat in sports in 2019. Uh, and again, I am always measuring this by, does it permeate into the mainstream? Cause we struggle so much to get people to give a shit about this sport. And I was in Kona. I was in Hawaii when that happened. And you know, you're sitting in a sushi restaurant and they've got the TVs everywhere hanging around by the bar and what's on CNN, Kipchoge breaking the two hour mark. Didn't see that for, for Joshua Cheptegei. Sorry, yeah, Joshua. Sadly, no, not many people know who Joshua Cheptegei is, but if we're going off impact on the world, you got to give it to Kipchoge. But if we're going off success and sanctioned events, you can't give it to him. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Just the one last thing to keep an eye out on is how self-important does the IAAF, which is now calling itself World Athletics, we'll talk about that in a minute. How self-important is this group of people with their sanctioned events? We'll see and whoever gets to be the considered the male athletics athlete of the year. Topic number two, the Mary Kane Nike Oregon Project Alberto Salazar situation uh, widens uh, a story that came out on Wednesday night, uh, written by the reporter Chris Chavez, who's quite a well-connected reporter. Wrote in Sports Illustrated uh, of the toxic cult-like culture in the Nike Oregon Project, as told to him by a series of former Oregon Project athletes. Andrew, tell us a little bit more about the details of this revelation. Yeah, Chavez got in touch with a uh, a bunch of former athletes, including Cam Levins, Dathan Ritzenhine, and Kara Goucher, um, all of who admitted to to being aware of um, Salazar's obsession with athletes' weight and uh, as well as his, his shaming behavior. Um, Levins uh, admitted that he he was aware that uh, Kane had experienced this and Ritzenhine even recounted a story about sharing a condo with Kane in Utah where Kane would steal his cliff bars and then go scurry off to her room and eat them there because she was too afraid to eat them in front of Salazar and get in trouble this was when she was in high school so brutal here and so cruel and 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 I think it Alex it clearly illustrates the endemic problem in that group in more detail it's the sort of reporting we don't usually get in running usually it's we kind of want to clear the decks on something especially when it's negative running always has to be so positive and so anesthetized and just reporting by Chavez I think is really important it's something you see in other sports when there's huge culture change issue or needs need for culture change this is certainly something where we need to to see a change in the culture. What do you what do you think we should be looking for next with this story? Well, with this story, I think we need a bit deeper investigation of the group. Uh, we need to weed out some toxic culture from the just the fact that it's mostly men in position of, of power in the sport. Um, sometimes groups, elite groups, are not well equipped to deal with athletes coming in, especially in this case, a younger 
uh, female athlete coming from the other side of the country. I really don't think they were ready for that. And I think it reveals a bit of a deeper problem. We have all these athletes, Cam Levins, Ritzenhain, coming out now and, and admitting, yeah, you know what, it wasn't right. But perhaps these athletes didn't feel like they had another place to train. We need to take what we've learned from this experience, take it to the next group, the next elite group, and understand how to nourish athletes properly. Yeah, I think in, in the kind of major issue, the bigger overarching idea behind the Me Too movement is a more general concept, uh, is that we live in a male-dominated society that needs to end. And in these very specific, detailed ways, I think Salazar and Darren Treasure, the supposed sports psychologist who apparently wasn't a sports psychologist after all, uh, and, and people like that kind of holding this little like chummy boys club and a very specific attitude towards women, women's bodies, uh, female athletes, how they train, what is the perfect body for, for performance and not thinking about these people as human beings uh, and also not respecting the power balance that they, uh, the imbalance rather that they have and control they have over these young women's careers. So yeah, this, uh, this just, silences then the 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 women's voices on this side i know i was talking to an athlete not that long ago who was telling me how she would get cat called like every time she went for a run in downtown toronto it would be construction workers cat calling her right which to me is insane i I've never even thought about that but it's it's issues like these that don't come out because they haven't had the chance yeah and hopefully we're getting to a place in our in our culture both as a running culture and just a greater society that we're having these conversations and that it's seen as not acceptable to create an abusive, certainly not an abusive uh, culture within a training group, but also just the, I think there are bigger questions that need to be answered now. And so we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on that. And definitely as to what you were saying, Alex, in closing, the self-investigation never goes anywhere. I think there needs to be an independent investigation of this so we have a roadmap to understand how to identify this type of problem in the future. Topic number three. He was considered perhaps one of the greatest runners of all time. He seemed unbeatable at one point. He held a world record that many people think to this day is unbeatable. It still stands. And then David Radisha kind of disappeared Alex, what happened to him? And tell us a little bit about this essay that he he's written. So on Spikes Magazine, David Rudisha penned a self-written essay displaying and talking about where he was the last few years. He's apparently dealt with separation, injury, and a car accident. And I quote, as he writes here, I hit it head on. The car was wrecked completely written off, but somehow I was okay. An incident like that can change your perspective and it left its mark on me. I believe it's another chance at life. Andrew, you were an, where I guess you always get to be an 800 meter runner. You can run an 800 meters anytime you'd like. Many people consider it the hardest discipline in all of track and field. Uh, and David Rudisha is the greatest of all time at it. Tell us a little bit about Radisha as an athlete and your reaction to this story. I remember in 2012, summer of 2012, being at work um, during the, the Olympic 800-meter final and just stopping to watch the 800. As a fan, um, and seeing him lead 
from start to finish and run 140.91, a world record, which at this time, this was when Usain Bolt was at his, his peak, his dominance. And I remember just sit, like standing there in stunned silence. I, it was the, the greatest performance I've ever seen in my life, I think. Um, still to this day, I would say. Uh, and I, I know I'm biased as an 800-meter runner, but um, he was just so silky when he ran. Just unbelievably beautiful to watch. But then 2017, he kind of got injured. He started to look beatable, and he, he faded completely from the spotlight. I I'd kind of lost track of him and just assumed he retired um, until this came out, that, that now he's he's attempting to make a go at, at 2020. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much I want to say here, but I've... I've had some some conversations with some people that that know quite a bit about the details of this story, and from my understanding, Murdisha has had a pretty serious struggle with, um, perhaps with alcohol, perhaps with some of the choices of people that he has surrounded himself by in the past. I'm not sure if those people are still uh, in his life or not. Uh, obviously, this essay is uh, an important step for him, and should be interesting to see if he can continue to compete at that level. I mean, he's, I just, we just checked because we were all talking about this earlier and we were, I think everyone just kind of assumed that he was over the age of 30 and he's actually just 30. He, he's, he's turning 31 in December. Um, so he still has the ability to make a comeback, but Alex obviously making a comeback at that level at in this event is going to be really tough for him. It's going to be really tough. I mean, the 800 is in a great place right now on a world level Nigel Amos, who uh, I guess was Radisha's uh, runner-up in 2012, is back this year running a 141. Donovan Brazier, who's a young guy, I believe he's 22, has a 142-800. These guys are going to be very tough to beat. So unless Radisha is gets back to 140 shape somehow, he's going to have some tough people to run against. So... Best of luck to him in his comeback. Yeah, I know. It's. I mean, it's. I think it's really. It's worthwhile reading the piece. The reason why we're talking about it today is that um, it's. Uh, it's always a bit heartbreaking to read an essay like this, especially from the point of view of the athlete themselves. It, yeah, it seems kind of sad. Not in a uh, an offensive way in any any means, but it just you feel kind of sad for him. You want to see him back up there. Topic number four, an athlete's union. That's kind of an interesting idea. Triple jumper Christian Taylor is pissed. He's pissed off at the uh, World at World Athletics, formerly known as the IAAF. They just changed their name, finally. And the so, website. So we, the website looks pretty pretty slick, but... Uh, and the IAAF was always such a pain in the ass to just, just describe to people who didn't follow the sport. World Athletics have recently, as we reported, has switched their formatting for their big Diamond League series of track meets for 2020, and they've gutted the whole thing to try to make it more, quote-unquote, entertaining. Christian Taylor's event, the Triple Jump, has been removed as a key event for the, for the Diamond League, so he's upset. He took to Twitter, and he's put together an organization. Uh, Andrew, tell us a little bit about his plan. Yeah, uh, Taylor started the Athletics Association, which is ostensibly a, a union for professional track and field athletes. Um, and and Taylor comes with a lot of heft behind him. He's a two-time Olympic champion and four-time world champion. Not to mention, he's won the Diamond League Championship seven times. So it's kind of understandable that he's, he's pissed off about this. 
Um, I mean, I'm, I assume that was a huge payday for him was winning those. So, so here's, yeah, but uh, I mean, regardless, um, was the bag back. Yeah. Yeah. The point of the organization he says is to, to fight for athletes rights and just to make sure that the actual athletes competing have a little bit more say in how their sport is run. Alex, do you think that this is going to, going to have any traction? Do you think other athletes are going to follow him? Is he going to lead, uh, a association of athletes to the promised land? Well, I think we can see, uh, I'm guessing there's going to be some support from the distance running community. We were talking about this last time. The longest distance running event now that's in the Diamond League is the 1,500 meters. So you'll have these these, these steeplechasers, 5,000 meter runners, 10,000 meter runners. I'm sure that they will give them some support because now they don't really have an avenue at, at Diamond Leagues. And as well as uh, the other field events that were cut, of course, triple jumpers will likely support him in this. And I hope it works out. Maybe this is the start of something good. Yeah, I noticed there was, just a, there was a piece uh, about the Scottish runner, Andy Butchard, who's saying he was considering boycotting uh, all the Diamond League events, even if even those that would offer the 5,000 meters because uh, he's a distance runner uh, as a non-Diamond League type uh, event. So I don't know. I just, I my, my only, my cynicism the cynical side of me is triggered and says, is whispering in my own ear, if I can even do that. That's a weird thing to say. Uh, that, you know, that athletes are unfortunately kind of weak in this situation and that it's a very disparate organization of people doing all different events with competing self-interest. So a union is a really good idea for a lot of reasons, Andrew, and I'm curious to see if it does take off. There's this little old event called the Olympics, where we don't think about this, but it's a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Everyone's making crazy money at the Olympics, except the athletes. They make jack shit. So I think that's, I mean, a bigger picture question if you're going to have an athlete's union. Topic number five, last one of the day of the week. Alex Sear, you broke a story. Tell us a little bit about why the story that you broke is, you know, a big deal in the bigger picture in, in the running world. I did. So I got to talk, to, I got talking to a few coaches uh, when I was sitting in the lobby of the Holiday Inn Express in Kingston. Some coaches were happy about it. Some coaches were not. So let's explain. The Holiday Inn Express is the official race hotel for what's called U sports cross country championships. And for those of you who are listening who are not Canadian, that is the Canadian university cross country championships. And there was a vote going on. There was a vote. There was a coaches meeting. Finally, after years of deliberation, U sports coaches have finally come to a conclusion that the women and the men in the conference should run eight K and eight K. So same distances this year, it was 10 kilometers for the men eight for the women. And as of 2016, the women were still running six kilometers and the men 10 kilometers. So this is a big deal. So we're seeing equity, uh, gender equity in the sport, Andrew, uh, finally across the board. This has already been done at like the high school level, pretty much everywhere or most places. And uh, obviously at the national international level, they run what distances? Uh, normally it's 10K, isn't normally it? 10K. Yeah. So that raises the question why the heck didn't they go to 10k andrew 
What's your take on this? Yeah, I'm still ruminating about this. I, I obviously support it 100%. I think it's fantastic that uh, we're finally seeing gender equality that way. But um, yeah, it, it, it feels a little insulting to the girls, maybe, that they're not being stepping up to 10K or... You know, although some girls are, are more interested in doing 8K, but is it is it insulting to the guys then to ask them to step down to 8K? Yeah, I don't know. I I have always felt that cross-country is a distance event. There's not an 800-meter cross-country race. There's no middle-distance cross-country uh, subdivisions. It doesn't exist. Even if you go all the way down to like when you're 8 years old running cross-country for the first time, you're still running a, usually like a kilometer or two. Uh, so... It's a distance event. It's always been seen that way. It's for distance runners. I don't understand why we can't just align this with an international and national level. These are high-level athletes that are presumably some of them going to go on to the next that next echelon of the sport. Alex, you this is a little bit of a, a tease for a podcast that you're putting together for your newsletter, The You, which covers Canadian Canadian uh, athletics. Um, you spoke to two athletes that ran last weekend uh, about their points of view on it. Uh, and I think on the men's side, there was maybe a bit of disappointment that the, the distance was being brought down and perhaps disappointment on the women's side that it wasn't pushed up all the way to 10K for certain athletes. Yeah, so um, I spoke with Andrew Davies of McMaster University and he um, kind of talked about how there was he was a bit disappointed that the um, men's race wasn't kept at 10K. For them, it's it's a very, like you say, very much a cross-country event. They associate 10K racing with cross-country. And on the women's side, I spoke with uh, Sydney Pattison of Wilfrid Laurier University, and she raised a good point. Um, a lot of these women in, in the league right now entered when the, the distance, the race distance was six kilometers. So now up to eight, they already feel like there is a jump up. They do agree that, and I agree as well, that it should be equal and eventually maybe pushed up to 10K. But also Sydney made the point that, you know, in four years time, going from 6K race distance to 10K race distance is, is quite a bit of a jump. So some are comfortable with 8K right now. Um, but I think in the future, what we should look towards is another jump in distance. And I hope eventually it goes 10 and 10. I think that's how it should be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, see, it, I see it as inevitable, but uh, one step at a time, I suppose. All right, that's our top five for this week. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, thexc.substack.com. That's thexc.substack.com. Totally free newsletter. Comes out pretty much weekly, uh, and sometimes a little more than that, depends on what's going on. Mostly opinion, point of view, experience, essays, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, we pull no punches. We have no advertisers. We make no money off of this. All we do is speak the truth and hold truth to power. That's the plan. And also, subscribe to Alex's uh, newsletter, which is focused on Canadian athletics. It's, what is the, uh, the URL they can find it at? It's uh, usportsvxc.substack.com. I had to check this. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what it is. It's great. I love your takes. It's pretty opinionated. Uh, no recaps. Winners and losers, opinion, the odd-breaking story. We've added a Twitter war this week, so you know it's good. There you go. And make sure, speaking of Twitter, uh, follow us on social media at the XCORG. That's 
on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash the XCORG. All right. Thanks for listening.